representing book really about? That is such a tough question. <laughs> well, without giving too much away, the central themes of this novel would definitely have to be found family, ambition, and identity. Big surprise, right, that a building's Rowan focuses on identity. But I think that readers of 50 Words for Rain will still be a, a little bit surprised with The Wildest Sun because I think it's a coming of age story for a later stage in life. Delphine is really very much at the cusp of adulthood when the story opens. So she's already lived and she already has some things that she's done that she's not so proud of. And she will continue to make a plethora of mistakes throughout the novel. So I think that redemption is a, a huge theme. And I think it's something that we all have to come to terms with in our lives is how do we live with what we've done and where do we get to where we're going. Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Four New York Times bestselling authors, one rock star librarian, and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us. And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast. Today, we have the honor of talking to Asha Lemmy about her newest novel, The Wildest Son. Asha Lemmy is the New York Times bestselling author of 50 Words for Rain and The Wildest Son now. She holds a BA in English Literature from Boston College and is currently a graduate student at Columbia University. She resides in New York City, but can frequently be found wandering. Asha writes historical fiction that focuses on bringing unique perspectives to life. 50 Words for Rain was chosen for the Good Morning America Book Club pick for September, Barnes & Noble Discover pick for September, and Amazon Spotlight's Best of the Month for September. I am Ron Block. And I am Patty Callahan Henry. I met Asha when we spoke at an event together, and I have been a big fan ever since. Her wisdom and her warmth are the hallmark of her personality and of her writing. We will be talking about writing a sophomore novel after such a huge success, facing down a literary legend, and about the truths that hide in historical fiction. Agent sisters, Asha and I are agent sisters, and I am thrilled to welcome her to the podcast to talk about her second novel, The Wildest Son. Welcome, Asha. Hi, Patty. Thank you so much for having me. Yay, welcome. Well, let's dive right in here. Asha, this sweeping novel follows a young woman escaping her past in post-war Paris as she searches for the larger-than-life man she believes may be her father, Ernest Hemingway. Although this is the setup, please tell us more about the novel and what you believe the book is really about. What is any book really about? That is such a tough <laughs> question. <laughs> um, well, without giving too much away, the central themes of this novel would definitely have to be found family, ambition, and identity. Big surprise, right, that a building's Rowan focuses on identity. But I think that readers of 50 Words for Rain will still be a, a little bit surprised with The Wildest Son because I think it's a coming of age story for a later stage in life. 
Delphine is really very much at the cusp of adulthood when the story opens. So she's already lived and she already has some things that she's done that she's not so proud of. And she will continue to make a plethora of mistakes throughout the novel. So I think that redemption is a, a huge theme. And I think it's something that we all have to come to terms with in our lives is how do we live with what we've done and where do we get to where we're going? So that's something for readers to look forward to. Oh, for sure. I love the uh, coming of age of a a different age because I think we have coming of ages in every stage in our life, whether it's in college and graduate school, becoming a parent, maybe middle age, right? There There are many different coming of ages. I'm always interested in the original seeds of a story. Like what was the inspiration for this novel and why Hemingway? And the title is obviously, and I could be wrong, maybe not obviously, a play off the sun also rises. So can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration? I love the sun also rises. That is my favorite Hemingway novel. You you bought me pegged, but I actually wasn't thinking about that when I came up with the idea for the title. Believe it or not. Um, I, wow, I think our subconscious is so murky, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, really enjoy roping in like Easter eggs from my personal hobbies into my novels. So for 50 Words for Rain, I think it's pretty obvious that I'm a big fan of classical music. And for The Wildest Sun, I could not help but reference one of my favorite um English Tudor era poems by Sir Thomas Wyatt. Um, the rumor is that she wrote it for Anne Boleyn, later Queen of England. And one of the lines in it is, wild for to hold, though I seem tame. And mm. Delphine's mother, Delphine's mother in the novel was a poet. So I thought it made sense that her mother would have referenced this poem. And it really applies to both of them. Both of them are fairly non-traditional women and so that was kind of in my mind when i when i was coming up with the idea of the novel and then also there is this idea that delphine for the early parts of her life especially she revolves around hemingway he is kind of her son he's her nexus her entire sense of identity rests on him and his approval and so i thought that that was important to incorporate into the title and you Can you nail when the moment was that you said, I'm going to tell a story about a woman searching for a man, a literary legend who she believes is her father? Was there was there a seed of inspiration? Did it start with that? Did it morph into that? Can you go back and find the inspiration for that? I always knew it was going to be Hemingway. I have gotten this question before. Oh, did you consider having her believe that another famous literary figure was her secret father no i think i always knew it was going to be hemingway because that man had such an interesting life and he wasn't the only one but i've always been particularly fascinated with his life and and just the time period and the setting that that allowed me to explore uh it's tough to beat. i love it for sure. <laughs> well, the book has so many um, ups and downs and twists and turns. Did you know going into it what it was all going to be? And also, without any spoilers, did you know if Hemingway would or would not be her father when you started out? Well, 
I'm not going to disclose whether I believe that he is her biological father or not. I'm going to leave that up to the readers. There's ample amount of evidence for and against it. And gotcha. at the end of the day, I think one must ask themselves the question of whether or not it really matters. If she believes it to be true, same difference. It's It, it had such an impact on her life either way. And so... With so many ups and downs, like Ron said, did you map it out? Did you know everything that would happen to her? Did you, you know, I know you not only study literature, but write it. So I guess I'm asking about your process. Did you know, I mean, so many things happened to this girl, some by her choices she made and some by outside circumstances. Did you map that out? Did you know everything that was going to happen or did you let it ride? Honestly, I knew some of it. I had a very clear, like, the thing that happens at the end of part one, I knew that was going to happen from the very beginning. Okay. Um, but a lot of the rest of it, I really didn't know. It was, it's, it's kind of about getting to know your character so well that you can understand what sort of trouble they're likely to get themselves in because we all have our own brand of trouble. And it's just about finding hers. And then the other thing is we can't control what happens to us in life. Sometimes we have the best of intentions and the best laid plans, and it blows up in our face completely. And learning <laughs> to bounce back from that, I think, is a central life skill. I love this. You get to know your character, and then you'll know what kind of trouble they get into. I think that is one of the best writing tips I've ever heard because we can map out what we think should happen to our characters. But the minute we get to know them, they have other ideas. And, and there's always that push and pull and fine line between planning our story and letting the character say, here's the kind of trouble I would get into, right? Absolutely. So you have to ask yourself what drives them. What are their insecurities? What are flaws? What are they looking for? And where are all the wrong places they're going to go in an attempt to find it? You know, what do they want and what are they willing to do to get what they want, right? Absolutely. What, what trouble are they willing to get into? I like that question a lot. So what is your favorite thing about the very complicated Hemingway? We meet him in the novel. So how was it to write him as a person? And what, what is one of your, one of the things that you are drawn to with this complicated man? Once again, you're one of your favorite things about him. It was absolutely terrifying to write Hemingway as a character. It's, it's kind of like writing someone's personality. He has such a cult following and he's so iconic and Honestly, it gave me quite a lot of anxiety. I was really nervous to take him on. But then what helped me was I realized I am writing him through Delphine's eyes. And Delphine, I know. Yes. And I can capture the way that she sees him. And perspective is so important. You take the same person and you ask five people for their opinions and you'll get painted a very, very, very different picture. Perspective is king in a novel. And so by relying on Delphine's, it helped me find my way into him. Of course, I did do a fair bit of research on him and his life, his mannerisms, including first and accounts for people who had had conversations with him. And just kind of the impression that a lot of people got of him. 
But it was really important for me never to lose sight of the fact that this is Delphine's story and everything ultimately relates to her. What is your favorite thing about him? In your research, as you looked at him through Delphine's eyes, what do you feel is the most alluring thing about Hemingway as a man? I think that the thing I've always liked the most about Hemingway was that while maintaining this aura that he was just this kind of manic mystery and he didn't care what he thought, he actually was very sensitive. He was a very sensitive person. He cared very much what people thought about his writing. It was, it was kind of his identity. Really? Yes. He kept it under wraps, but he, the people close to him say that he was always wracked with anxiety about what people were going to think about his work, which is not the image that I initially had of Hemingway. I always, I think we anticipate that people are going to know their own legends, even while they're still living it. Um, but the fact that he was worried about his legacy, that really resonated with me. And that he That's thought cool. what, what, what the others would think when they looked back on him. That's really fascinating. I didn't know that about him. I mean, I picture him as this bravado. Big, I mean, I've read a lot about him from The Paris Wife to, you know, Love and Ruin to other amazing novels about him. And of course, articles and that. Um, oh, you have to read tender. a movable feast. Oh, yeah. I have read a movable feast. Oh, yes, it's amazing. Yes, yes. But I, so I still have a hard time thinking of that being his first alluring quality. And I really, I really like that that's what you, you've pulled out of that. My research went back to his childhood, and it seems that it wasn't a very happy one, which is so not an original backstory for writers. I think we're all in that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's always a story. There's always a story, but it gave me a sense of his vulnerability. And I was able to imagine him from the time he was a small boy. And I think there's a part of that that never leaves us. There is something that we've all been through or done in our lives that we carry inside of us in a tiny compartment. And we're constantly trying to, in my mind, either appease or atone for this thing. We're constantly trying to soothe whatever that wound is. Mm. And I think that for Delphine, certainly it's, a sense of not being worthy. It's that persistent insecurity. And I think that Hemingway had a little bit of that too. Agreed. 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 Um, so one of the things that's really evident in the book is that when a child doesn't know who their father is or doesn't claim them, the it really does affect the path of their life. And you've done this so beautifully in this book and explored all that. But did that change over the course of writing the book based on, on what you learned of Hemingway and what her actions might have been? I definitely think that not having a father present in her childhood absolutely did affect Delphine. And not just on a, on a personal level, but we also have to remember this was a time where people were not very kind to people who did not fit the social norm. There were practical right. downsides to not having the the traditional family structure you're going to be ostracized people are going to talk about you you're going to be included um people aren't want, going to want you to date their sons like they're because you don't come from a good family there are all kinds of like very practical downsides in this era to her not having her father and then i think it's also very important to remember that at least she has the idea of a father 
And that's helpful mm-hmm. for her that she has a specific place to fixate her her unmet emotional needs. But her mother is physically present, but there are a lot of issues there. That is a very complicated relationship. And I would say that her mother wound is probably even deeper than her father wound once you really get into it. I like that. I think that's so true. It feels like the her mother's absence, I'm using air quotes because y'all can't see me. Her mother's absence and alcoholism is is a different kind of mother hunger than the father hunger. Because at least the father hunger, she had like an idol to place it onto. But with her mother hunger her mother was who she was um, yes, in the world. Absolutely. So I want to, when we met, um, 50 Words for Rain was out and, and had every award and pick happening. And we talked a bit about it when we met, but I want to talk even more about the difference between writing your first novel and your second novel. And I want you to tell everyone about how you wrote that first novel because you wrote it when you were in school. And now the second novel you're writing as a published author. So can you talk about the difference between your first novel and this sophomore novel that is so beautiful? I think that there's just a lot more pressure this time. I'm going to be honest. When I wrote my first novel, I didn't think it was ever going to see the light of day. I was just having fun. (laughs) I was really just having fun. And um, I think while I had all the hopes in the world, I didn't have any expectations. And no one had any expectations of me. So it's a very different psychological journey. This time, obviously, I had people looking at me, waiting and expecting that I was going to turn out a good book. And I'm just kind of like, gosh, how did I do this the first time? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I had major, major imposter syndrome and major anxiety. I have the in general kind of a a person who needs to get out of their head a little bit more um probably not too different from a lot of creatives but i really didn't want to disappoint people and oddly the way that i got over that may seem counterintuitive but i i stopped thinking about people at all i really tried to focus exclusively on the story that i wanted to tell and of course, I took editorial feedback, but I stopped thinking of, oh, what are people going to say about this? Because there's always a sad when you think like that. There's always a catch. One man's pleasure is another man's poison. You will never, ever people please your way into collective acceptance in literature or in life. And I just had to let go. That is so true. That so- right there is a quote that I want to put on my bullet board. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go back and, and re-listen to that. Just this collective acceptance. You're never going to get it. Why even bother? It's so hard to get the editor off your shoulder and the expectations off your shoulder and write the story that the story wants and needs to be. Right. Right. So the other thing I love about the book is the settings. So, and the time period, of course, um, Paris, Cuba, England, and Harlem. How did you research that to get it just right the way you did? 
Well, I I read a lot of books, and then I also I'm lucky that I was able to bring in some people I know in my personal life that are from these places and grew up in these places and were able to help me. Uh, my my I'm incredibly close to my stepmother. I call her Mama, and her one of her closest friends is not only French, but she grew up in Paris, uh, not in the time period. But she was very helpful, um, especially with capturing Delphine's kind of uniquely Parisian attitude, because she certainly thinks that she just has a little something that no one else ever could. And that was very helpful in, in manifesting that. And then with Cuba, I had never been to Cuba. I did go to Havana for research for this novel, and it was like a huge headache figuring out how I was even going to get there. It's not the easiest destination to get to. No, no it's not. <laughs> um, but I spent a lot of time in the Caribbean, the English-speaking Caribbean, and the Spanish-speaking Caribbean. And so I, I had a general sense of vibe. I definitely understand island time and the slower pace of life in general. So and there's a kind of zest for life, too, that I think uh, ties in Paris to the Caribbean, even though they are different. And that was really fun. I'm always looking for links between places in my writing. It's fun to look at the through line between all of them and see how each setting, as Ron said, is individual. And you can tell you did your research um, and set your feet on them, how each setting changed her. It wasn't just a place to set her. Each setting changed her character in a different way. I want to talk about being an author. You talk so much about it in the novel. It was some of my favorite parts because Delphine wants to be a writer. And you really get into the head, mind, and heart of a novelist and the deep and often hidden desire to write. And a question I often ponder and get asked and asked other people is this, do you think authors are born or made? Ooh, good question. I'm going to say both. I think that art is absolutely something that you have to work at. It has to hold just like anything else. You have to train, essentially. And you have to take instruction and you, you have to... Sometimes it's just a matter of giving yourself enough time to blossom. I truly believe that it bothers me when people think that Art is not as serious a discipline as anything else because it absolutely is. It's not something you can just pop up and, and be a master at. It doesn't work that way. Um, that being said, I am a firm believer in talent. I, I don't know. Despite the fact that I personally grew up in the participation trophy uh, millennial generation, <laughs> I've always believed in talent. I've always believed that some people are fundamentally better equipped to do certain things than other people. And I, I have no hesitation saying that. I have two left feet. I have no physical coordination. You would not want to throw something at me. I will not catch it. Um, I cannot do anything beyond basic condition and multiplication. I'm terrible at math. But I've always had a knack for reading and writing. So I just think that we're all made for different things. And it's not a bad thing. We need every single skill set to make the world go round. That's wonderful. 
Okay, so um, you kind of started talking about this, and I want to talk a little bit more. Delphine obviously is just full of the creative impulse and life. And did you ever think about writing it as though she wasn't successful at that or that she maybe didn't go down that path or things? What if she had ignored that? What would her character be? That's so hard for me to think about because I don't think she ever could have ignored it. I think it's so important to her that she she knows no other way to find her identity. I think really it's so important to her that she be like Papa. Um, but what she finds along the way is that this is actually something that not only does she really enjoy, but that she's actually good at with or without him. She is good at this and being good at something on her own. It just gives her something that you could never buy. It's so important. I think when we finally feel like we have something all our own in life. That's so good. And it's so true. And I, I, when watching her, I can see the themes of agency in a woman's life, making the choice to do the thing that maybe nobody else wants you to do and to ignore that creative impulse in her life. She would have ended up in a, maybe the same kind of place without spoilers as her mother. Right. So she's choosing agency in her life. She's choosing to pursue this creative impulse and pursue the search for her father um, as a, as a character's deepest desire and to ignore that in ourselves and in our characters, I think destroys them. I think ending up like her mother is her worst nightmare to end up like her mother. I think that's a really smart observation. Patty. Yeah. And I think we'd all end up like her mother if we ignored what our souls most call us to do. So, yeah. (laughs) All right. I have a curiosity question before we round this out. If you had a dinner party and you were going (laughs) to invite Hemingway, who are two other people you would invite? I get to be the fourth, but what were the two other people (laughs) you would invite to join you and Hemingway? Oh, goodness. Um, I would like to, I think, uh, speak to, gosh, that's so hard. Maybe one of the Bronte sisters. Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, and then, gosh, probably a monarch. Like, I think I'd just love to meet, like, one of those absolute monarchs from back in the day who could off with your head i think that would be really interesting like a henry the eighth type <laughs> it'd make a great dinner party it would make for a very bizarre dinner party and i'd probably be burned at the stake as a witch at the end of it but that's okay well then you could go back to your own time which is not a fantasy and all would be well okay <laughs> i think that if they wouldn't if they didn't think about burning you at the stake as a woman you probably weren't very interesting there you go it's a good point. Good point. So, so Asha, in addition to your studies and getting this book out in the world, is there something else we can think about coming from you? That's the main thing. That's the main thing. Um, I'm really, really excited to get the wildest sun out there and and share it with with readers. And I, I am fully aware that it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but I, I it is a, a strong cup of tea, and so hopefully it will resonate with those people that it's supposed to. Well, I think it's well on its way there. (laughs) Thank you. 
Asha, we cannot thank you enough for joining us. What a stunning novel. And we know our listeners will want to connect with you online and follow your journey and Delphine's journey in the wildest sun. Can you tell everyone where to find you online? Sure. I I have a website. It's just uh, ashalemi.com. Very not creative. Um, And then also my Instagram handle is exactly the same, ashalemi author. And I'm most active on Instagram. If you were trying to get in touch with me, you can totally slide into my DMs. I check them periodically. And I'm also currently toying with the idea of starting a blog, um, which would just be a little bit of a glimpse into my life, some nonfiction pieces um, formatted in a creative style. And I'll keep people posted on that. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> we well, never do until here. we do it. We never do. <laughs> and we're all here for all of it. So we're good. And I think Delphine is going to be such a a great inspiration to readers. And so uh, just a great, great creation character. And to all of you out there, thank you so much for joining us. And be sure to visit our Friends in Fiction bookshop.org page to purchase a copy of The Wildest Son. Save a little, help a little. We're so grateful that you choose to join us each Friday. Be sure to tune in next week and be sure also to tell a friend. Thank you for tuning in to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode. And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live Friends and Fiction show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are so glad you're here.